This week on Beer is a Conversation, presented by Crime Malt, Brews News editor James Atkinson catches up with Blair Hayden from the Lord Nelson Brewery in Sydney. The Lord Nelson is Sydney's oldest continually licensed hotel, and in 1986, Blair took over the pub and installed a small brewery. This year, in recognition of the role he has played in the development of the craft beer scene, he was approached by Stone and Wood to brew a beer with them as part of their annual Forefathers series of beers. It was a great opportunity for us to chat with Blair, and it's actually surprising we hadn't spoken with this colourful brewing personality before now. Enjoy the conversation. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Blair Hayden, thanks very much for joining us on Radio Brews News. Thank you, James. It's been a pretty massive year for you, obviously with the pub last year having the big 30th milestone, among other milestones, and a lot of awards, uh, most recently the, the Legends Award at the Craft Beer Awards in Adelaide. How does it feel? Uh, very humbling, to be quite honest, James, very humbling. Uh, I don't know, after 30 years of uh, being in the industry, you don't know whether people only just woke up to the, the fact that you were alive or whether they've just let you know, decided it's about time they let me know. But anyway, as I said, it's humbling and, uh, you know, it's always been a great passion and um, I'm pleased uh, and proud that other people recognise what the industry is doing and we're very proud to be part of it. For people who don't know too much about the story of the Nelson, what was it like in those early days um, when you made the decision to, to put a microbrewery in and serve some styles of beers that people weren't really accustomed to? They were pretty uh, confused, to be quite honest. Uh, people, in many cases, would walk in ask for a mainstream beer, such as what was on offer at the time. I wanted either to his new, please, or could I have a VB? Uh, when we responded that we sold neither, the perplexed look on their face was quite interesting. You have to understand that it wasn't until 1987 even that uh, Coopers put beer on tap. So there was no Coopers brands available as tap beer, only in bottles. So the other beers available were uh, the Australian mainstream breweries. So when we advised and, uh, them to, or suggested they try one of our beers at the back, some did. But I've got to say in the early days, uh, probably 50% walked out. With a very perplexed, as I said, look on their face. Didn't bother me, of course, we just continued on. I think I seem to remember Tristram even telling a story about someone throwing a brick through the window or something like that in the early days. Uh, Well, that was a bit of a uh, local situation. When you take over a a hotel, uh, the new owners or or, uh, management often uh, ends up in a bit of strife with his uh, local clientele because if you change things they uh, tend to be concerned about that. After all they always feel the patrons at the pub is theirs. It's nothing to do with you actually being the owner or the operator. It is their domain. So 
In that particular case, I raised the price of beer by 10 cents in the neighbourhood and that was uh, sufficient to have the tyres in my vehicle stabbed all four at once on two separate occasions and a brick thrown through the window, plus plenty of abuse and the odd bit of bashing around in the bar. How long did it take to win them over and for that to all die down? Well, it was a year and a half. It, it, it got, it's, at some stages it got to be quite uncomfortable. I'd be in the office and I'd come down and you could, you could feel it in the air. And you know, The interesting thing was that the people that were on my side were the fishermen. The only problem with that was that sometimes they were actually at sea fishing. So when the, when the other bullshit was going on, we had to defend our honour ourselves. So yes, there's been many occasions, we had a, we had a bit of fisty cuffs here every now and again and one of the main uh, combatants was a rather big fella. I got him in a headlock one day and I was shit scared to let him go because if I let him go I know he would have had me so I just held on to him until help arrived. <laughs> and I suppose the rocks um, has changed a heck of a lot in that period of time as well. Yes, the rocks in Millers Point area has changed a lot. Of course we're always... It's been a mixed area, mixed in terms of a lot of housing commission uh, people living here. Plus there was a bit of mixed business and of course tourism because of the rocks down George Street End which brought people to that historic part of, of Sydney in the earlier days. And um, whilst it still brings tourists to the area, uh, not quite uh, a different sort of, in a different kind of a way these days. And I think that what has happened is the quietening of the rocks as an area has been increased by uh, the change in cruise ships visiting Australia. So it brings a lot more visitors to this part of Sydney and they wander up and down uh, whilst either having a break while the ship's in port A or B prior to getting on. C, mostly when they get off they head home but still there are times where they'll get off and we might see them in our accommodation before they head back to the country or do whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's changed and certainly the inhabitants uh, with the development of Walsh Bay, uh, some very large apartments there, um, it changed the wealth structure and also changed the needs of the locals. So we picked up a lot more business in our restaurant from that point of view as well. But still, we draw a lot of uh, business from all over Sydney and certainly internationally. And uh, because of the historic nature of the Lord Nelson with its uh, Georgian colonial architecture, you know, we receive a lot of visitors. Obviously, most recently, um, you were approached by Stone and Wood to collaborate with them on the Forefathers beer. Were, were they a, are they a brewery that you've you've kind of watched them evolve over the last few years? Yes, indeed, I've watched them, and I know Brad very well, and um, I've seen what and, and observed what was going on at Stone and Wood, and uh, I do like the style of beer they make. Um, I think it's so indicative of probably their location it's in Byron Bay. The pace is, is certainly a lot slower than it is in Sydney. And I describe their beers as bright and breezy, east coast, you know, shore break beers. Easy to drink and uh, consistent, always consistent in quality. So it was, again, a bit of an honour when uh, Brad rung and asked if... Uh, I'd be, he explained the forefathers' idea and how it came about, and so to follow Phil Sexton and Willie Simpson, as I said, was another humbling experience, and I certainly enjoyed the two days brewing up there and, and having a chat to their staff about what my passions and where my beliefs were and in the brewing of natural ales and, and why we, as uh, the Lord, and bought a, a brewery that was an ale brewery, decided to brew ales and I thought it was a nice mix to be able to brew an East Coast, as I said, shore drop type beer with a bit of a, a British twist and add some uh, British ingredients, so that, hence the use of all British malts and also the use of all British hops. 
and a little addition of bergamot gives that Earl Grey tea that significant uh, flavour profile that it has. And so tell us actually about the brewing process and the resulting beer. Are you happy with how it's all come out? Yes, very much so. I think we probably could have been just a little bit more generous with the bergamot in the end. But in saying that, uh, it certainly comes through as the beer warms. And uh, it is uh, deliciously drinkable. And it has a lovely little hue of a little bit of that, that crystally sort of malt just coming, showing out a little bit. And I think it is very much Australian surf meets British uh, London modern uh, ale in, in, in the modern beer market. So... Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's very fresh and uh, that's what we'd like to see. Lord Nelson has a very distinctive house style of, as you say, um, you know, more British style natural ales. You would have watched with interest the way the craft market's sort of gone towards these really hop forward, more American style hoppy beers. What sort of place does the Lord Nelson have in all of that? You've continued to grow just by sticking to your guns, haven't you? Indeed. I think that uh, there's no point in us reinventing the wheel, so to speak. Uh, we proudly make 100% natural ales, uh, and we've always made British-style ales. And it was, it was sort of a no-brainer being the Lord Nelson, because the Lord Nelson, being the most famous sea captain of all time, had obviously therefore meant that we really uh, had no option other than to brew British-style ales. The way that the brewing scene is going now, uh, it's, look, it's exciting, it's innovative, and that's great. And, uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of American IPAs being produced. I encourage them all to keep, continue doing it because it doesn't compete with what we're doing. So um, that, that's a wonderful thing from my point of view. And, yes, there's room for innovative change and doing whatever, but I think that being a bit of an elder of the industry now, it is very important that we stick to doing what we know best and uh, there's no point in us reinventing the wheel. I uh, think that our owls have always been extremely accessible, which is the reason I brewed them that way. If you don't feel like two, you're not drinking our beer. And they all look different, which I think is also very important. I think that uh, people often drink with their eyes, especially people who aren't confident enough for their palate. They like to think by looking at the beer they know the difference. Uh, I encourage them to think all that, that way and more. But I also think that there is room for the style of ales that we produce, and, and they do suit uh, the Australian climate because we serve them chilled, not as most Brits would complain about in the pub. Beer's too cold, so I just tell them to... Go back home, mate, and have the beer you want back in your town. But in this town, this is the way we like it, and that's the way we're going to keep brewing it. Yeah, I was just speaking to your uh, head brewer, Andrew, um, just before this interview, and he was saying that you do, do occasionally get some camera types coming in here and complaining about the fact that the beer's not real ale and it's not cold enough. Yeah, well, there's camera types around, and that's all fine too. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit like the uh, natural wine movement, the orange wine movement. Um, I take that all with a bit of a grain of salt, to be quite honest. I mean, I, we know indeed what we're doing. We know we're natural ales. We can get over carried away about a point of difference. Uh, I think it's more important to be uh, consistent in what we're doing and consistent in what people expect of us, so that when we produce a seasonal beer, they know that it's going to be in English style whether it be a 111 or a backburner, they know it's going to be interesting and a bit different. It'll have a twist, but it will be definitely a British-style ale. What was your experience of beer, obviously, in the UK that made you fall in love with that particular country's um, style of beers? Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not particularly in love with their style of beers, so to speak, James, but I do like ales, and so uh, it was on Drinking Coopers in Australia that I decided that ale of those kinds of styles was more preferable to uh, a lot of the mundane, undercarbonated, warm British ales. 
And saying that, there were some good ales uh, around at that time too, but they were more from Northern England and probably a little bit darker style rather than the, than, uh, the bitters and, and pale ales. So I think with an example like Cooper's, who were able to produce something that was a bit cloudy and, and certainly showed great difference in comparison to the other beers available on the market, um, it gave me the incentive to wish to create an ale that was of an Australian style uh, and that we could uh, enjoy in, in that, the weather patterns that we live in. Hence, you know, you look at Nelson's Blood, it, whilst it sells all year, it sells more in winter because, of course, it's a porter. And that's what happens with porter styles. Uh, you look at Old Admiral, you know, our beers we can't take off uh, or change and haven't done so for 30 years because they have a following and people delight in them. And they are nothing nicer than to live an old admiral, uh, you know, and during winter lasting at night. But I got people like said through summer drinking it all day round. Also, that's a beer that uh, you know it ages beautifully. We can come back and look at these natural hours one, two, and three years later, and uh, we find in the case of old admiral that often it'll take on Christmas cake type tones, and you'll get these cinnamon expressions and clove expressions coming through just through aging. And uh, that's just a fascination to me as well. So I like, and we have always aged beers, uh, and I like to look at some of those older beers, and we often show those in our beer dinners and, and uh, beer events that we've, we have. We've always had beer dinners. For 30 years I've been matching beer with food. It wasn't a new innovation that happened just because Chuck Hahn decided to get excited. Dear Chuck. But, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. Well, we're drinking a uh, Trafalgar, which is your English bitter, your take on an English bitter. Um, you... oh, it's a pale. It's really pale, like Victory's really our, is our bitter style. But it is a pale, and a, uh, more a British pale ale, I think. And it is, it is quite bitter by our standards, uh, but extremely refreshing. And, again, this really cuts through the quickness this, this, to this beer, you know. It cuts through, uh, slakes your thirst instantly because it's got a lovely dry hop edge to it. And yet it's got a little bit of a lift of hop in the middle, which I think enhances the enjoyability of this beer. And again, a little bit cloudy, not, you know, not filtered to death, because we don't filter any of our ales here. They're just uh, natural. They just drop out, the trub drops, and uh, we get beers that uh, change from brew to brew in both the way they look and cloudiness uh, and, uh, and flavour profile at times. There's always a slight variance. That's the passion and specialty of handcrafting ales. And you mentioned that you've changed up the hops a little bit in this beer? Yeah, we just tweaked and found a new hop that, were, that I quite liked and just gave, uh, suggested to Andrew we'll have a little look at it and he, he in fact enjoyed it as well. I think it gave us a little bit more middle palate weight and uh, a little bit more substance. And, you know, it's a minor tweak, but, but one we like. And, you know, that's something we uh, are doing all the time and, and have the right to do because of the way we brew ales here at the Lord. It's a very antiquated hands-on system. And, uh, of course, we're going to get a variance in every brew. No matter what we do, there'll be a variance. It's like a vintage of wine. You know, every vintage in the wine industry is different and it's allowed to be in the wine industry. Well, there's no reason why it can't be the same here. Sure, we go for a style and make the same kind of beer all the time, but I notice little tweaks between brews and often, you know, the freshness of it when it first comes on to the last beer you have seven days later when the tank's empty again or three days later or whatever. You know, it does chat and um, that's especially in the realism of real ale. You've obviously been uh, producing your, your beers in bottle format through a contract partner for a long time now. Um, how, how's that been going? Uh, it's going very strongly. Uh, we distribute nationally and 
Uh, in fact, it's funny, we me I mentioned earlier about Willie Simpson. He was actually on holiday in far north Queensland last week and said, the Lord moves in mysterious ways, just out of three sheets and early beats. Well done. So, you know, we concentrate on distributing nationally and, and sharing that with other people. I know that you have looked into the possibility of maybe um, building a brewery. Is that completely off the cards now? Uh, at the moment, uh, anything's a possibility. It's really a matter of uh, having the correct staff to move and do what we wish to do. Um, I'm concentrating quite a lot on the export market and we've had some uh, minor successes there and I wish to continue pursuing that. Uh, we've got some other deals in the pipeline which means I don't necessarily have to uh, have the pressure of building a brewery or owning a brewery right now. Uh, we work closely with our contractual partners who understand why and what we need and we spend time with them so they're aware of, of uh, the consistency of the product that we require. Um, and at the moment, as I said, that's working well for us. Uh, I understand the need for the market and uh, in, in, in producing seasonal ales uh, and always having something new for people to try and tap. It's a shame that people are looking for something new all the time. Uh, I think it's great to have something innovative, but, but the pressure to keep producing new seasonals and therefore having tap changeovers all the time puts a lot of pressure on breweries throughout Australia and uh, does make it rather difficult for those smaller breweries to be able to get a toehold in anything uh, that is going on. In saying all that, we were able to do that at the Lord because of the uh, production uh, levels, so we can offer something special on tap here that we don't always offer outside of the, of the hotel uh, and our brewery here at the Lord. But look, this, this seasonal thing's happening all over the world. Uh, you know, I know in Vancouver and in, in Canada, uh, it's a very big deal. I know that it's a big deal in the States offering different seasonal beers. So it is a trend, and uh, I think it will calm down a bit, to be quite honest, as the industry matures. And uh, we have a situation where we probably have a population shortage for beer and in that respect, um, yes, we will, will uh, take probably more of the bigger breweries market as more of these seasonals come on, but um, I think it'll refine a bit and it'll calm down and uh, we'll move forward. You mentioned you're in export. What are the markets that are doing, doing well for you? I'd rather keep that to myself just for the moment. <laughs> this came up in Adelaide and I, you know, we're just plugging away doing a little bit here and there. Uh, but there's some interesting uh, plans afoot and uh, we're working firmly on that and hope to get some more direction. Look, you'd be the first to know James when I'm in a position to tell you. No worries, I understand. And um, obviously your son uh, Tristan, who I mentioned earlier on, has previously worked in the business, but he's over in Canada now in a, with a brewing business of his own. Indeed, Tristan uh, is in uh, Vancouver in Britannia Brewing Company, which just They've put a, a, a small brewery together, uh, in fact they're just about to enlarge it, and, uh, and, and a bar in a, in a town called Steveston, which is a little bit like the Fremantle of uh, Canada, and that is where the old salmon trawlers came in, and it's where the old salmon canning factory was. So it's a tourist area. Uh, anyway, he's had a bit of success in his first 12 months, winning a goal for uh, his chai saison, and that's saison styles. Uh, in our West Coast, uh, USA and, and in Canada are uh, very, very strong and uh, they sort of are leading a bit away the trends I think in what's happening in the uh, craft brewing industry and with a huge, much larger population it's, it's probably a little bit easier to move some of that product but again he points out the same issues that we have here, too many people doing too many seasonals and the competition is very, very strong so it's very hard to get a mainstream beer in on a regular basis but people will look at 
and seasonal is quite a lot. That's why we're proud of you know that we've never discounted uh, our beer anywhere. We've, uh, we're strong believers in uh, in doing the business with honesty, and so everyone buys the beer at the same price. If you if you don't wish to pay our keg price, well, that's fine. Other people are discounting. You can you can play the game with them, but we'll back you up with service and quality. And uh, we've stood by our guns on that. I mean, for, for 30 years, people ring the hotel and ask, when's your happy hour? And my response has been standard. Madam, sir, every hour here is a happy hour. We don't have a special happy hour. You've got a different route to market um, nationally than probably a lot of other brewers just through your relationship with Samuel Smith & Son, which is predominantly a wine distributor. Has that been advantageous, just having you know, a, a different access to different customers? Uh, yes, uh, although we, you know, we, we drove this strongly ourselves. To me, it was a logistical issue, and you know, one of the biggest problems in this industry for us is logistics, uh, and, and that doesn't affect just the Lord Nelson, it affects anyone in this industry. Logistics is a nightmare, in Sydney in particular, it's very difficult, but to get your product around the countryside is also uh, a difficulty, and, and to have uh, different distributors in every state is both complicated and costly, and for me, uh, I studied the logistics issue very, very strongly and, and decided that I, w I would try and convince somebody that could do the job for us nationally rather than going in other directions. And we were successful in, in, in doing that with Samuel Smith and Son and we've had a pretty healthy relationship with them ever since. Uh, it comes with a lot of work between uh, each other. We converse regularly and move. And we started, of course, when uh, craft beer in, in the eyes of a wine distributor wasn't overly important but they now seriously understand the importance of why uh, craft ales and specialist beers are important in their portfolio because every sommelier worth his salt in this country has a fine beer list these days. So uh, beers and ales are equally as impo uh, important as, as Sav Blancs, Syrahs, Mataros and, uh, and perhaps even mineral water these days. They should be, and I know it's changed, but there's still a lot of improving to do in, in plenty of restaurants, I think. I agree with you, uh, 100%. And we're seeing the change, though, and, it's, and, and that is exciting. Things have moved forward, and we are seeing different beers and, uh, in different uh, areas. Uh, and restaurants, main popular restaurants, bigger style restaurants, do understand the importance. Um, but we do like to see the variants, and uh, it's great to see. Parochialism will exist. You know, obviously in New South Wales, people support more New South Wales beers, Victoria, Victorian beers, South Australia, etc. But I see it changing a bit like the wine industry, where, you know, you do have representatives on a wine list from all over Australia. If you have a wine list, it's worth having. And, you know, we were lucky enough to, this year for the second year in a row to win the Gourmet Traveller Pub Wine List of the Year. And this is because we've recognised wine regions not only of Australia, but the world. And we don't have a parochialism towards New South Wales wines or indeed anywhere else. So it is being able to offer people the choice. And uh, I think that goes for us uh, and how we feel about beer as well. What's coming up for the Lord in the next uh, 12 months? Uh, as I said, we've got a little bit of work going on here within the building itself, uh, a little bit of refurbishment on, on the plans. Uh, the Lord will always remain the same. 
uh, in terms of the way it appears. Well, I hope we're always innovative and in thinking about new beers to make. And as I said earlier, we're doing a bit of exploring in the export market and different styles of which we can put together for export. I reckon that's as good a place as any to leave it, Blair. Thanks very much for joining us and congratulations on uh, being the Stone and Wood forefather and also all the other awards that you won recently. James, thank you very much. It's a pleasure and uh, may the uh, industry continue to prosper. Thanks for listening to Beer as a Conversation. We look forward to sharing another conversation with you next week.